0: Well, you know who, who else isn't that happy? Gary Bettman. Because the four teams left.
1: The, the southern swing of the NHL.
0: Yeah, seriously. I mean, the, the uh, I'm trying to think of a map whether or not from a latitudinal perspective if Las Vegas mm-hmm. is higher than Carolina. But you've got team in the desert, team in Texas, team in South Florida, team in Carolina. Yeah. Now, granted, those teams support – those fans support those teams i'm not disputing that but when you look at who the nhl would like to see in a stanley cup final um, i don't think yeah. i don't yeah. think those guys would make the yeah. short list the
1: nhl has its original 6 right yeah this is this is the least original four um, <laughs> the after, i, the I guess you could have four. seattle in it but Welcome to Wait, What? Sports Biz Chat with DP and McGee. This is the podcast where we take a sometimes cynical, often irreverent, and on occasion serious look at the business of sports. I'm your co-host, David Parro. And I'm Tim McGee. We're in mid-May. We're down to the conference finals in the NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup playoffs. The second of golf's majors is set to play this weekend when the PGA Championship tees off in Rochester, new york and we are recording our 65th episode of course as i like to say none of that matters because all we want to know is what's on your mind tim
0: that's all you want to know if we were uh if we were a person we'd be eligible for medicare right now number 65 um i want to talk about something we talked about a couple of weeks ago the movie air i finally saw it uh not since the wizard of oz has there been a movie that entertaining about a pair of shoes uh, absolutely loved it. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought Matt Damon's portrayal of Sonny Vaccaro was one of the best acting jobs in fictional um, that I've seen in quite some time. Uh, ben Affleck, he gets crushed as an actor, but I like him, and he's a hell of a director. I will watch Argo every time right. it's on right um but i know you enjoyed the movie and i really, yeah i, I, I thought really the
1: movie i thought the movie was great i mean i i obviously they did an incredible job of crafting a story that was a real story and you know they you know hollywooded it up a bit uh and had to fix a few things from the original writer as i understand when affleck got involved in particular uh, but he knows how to make a movie and i actually thought his portrayal of Phil Knight based on everything I've heard about Phil Knight was was pretty good I can't say I've been in a meeting with Phil Knight so so I'm not sure if it was as as quirky as he portrayed him but it seemed right i agree with you on matt Damon's um, performance I think it was really good I think they wrote that character because most movies do need a a, a hero right. a protagonist and um, they made him out probably a little. Um, more heroic than 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 perhaps in real life. Uh, yeah, I
0: think and, in real I think in real life he would have been more of what we uh, film files call an anti-hero. Right. But um, but I you know I, listen he was the he was the the pivotal character in the in the film and I love the the directorial decision not to show Michael Jordan really uh, at yeah, all in say. the movie right yeah. to to take him away from it. But to create a dramatic arc around that decision and where it, uh, you know, where it came from and where it went was, I thought, you know, I thought it was a really good film. I thought and 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 my wife really enjoyed it. And she is not a sports fan.
1: Right. I, I was just about to say that. I think one of the things that's been most fascinating to me is that a sports fan can dive into this movie and love it. Love that scene. Where Sonny Vaccaro was talking about Michael Jordan's shot to win the NCAA championship as a freshman, and what um, uh, and and how the defense was played, and and how he was used not as a decoy but as the guy that was going to take that shot, and how ready he was for that. I love that scene, um, but that felt like a like a sports insider thing. But then I've talked to people that aren't sports fans uh, either that just love the story arc.
0: Yeah. So I I got to work with Jimmy Black, who was the guy who made the pass to Michael Jordan, got the assist on that shot. And if you meet Jimmy, he will tell you that. Yeah. Um,
1: Why not? Yeah. I would, too.
0: Um, But he he says in his his time and he was a captain. Right. And he graduated that year. They won the championship when Michael was a freshman. He said in his four years, there were only two players he knew were sort of really special, um, Michael and, and James Worthy right? And, uh, you know, not surprising, right? Given the careers they both had respectively in the NBA and now both Hall of Famers.
1: I, I don't know if I have told you this, and I'm not sh- absolutely sure I should share it on in this format. You can always I'm, cut it in post, my because friend. Because my, my Wake Forest friends think I'm really bizarre and was weird for what I'm about to say. So when I was a freshman, I got to see Michael's basically his first game at a tournament that used to be played between NC State, Wake Forest, Duke and North Carolina in Greensboro called the Big 4. They don't play it anymore, of course. Um and I saw Michael and I I I know exactly what Jimmy Black is saying there. It was and he was a he was just this kind of a scrawny looking player but you absolutely knew he was special. Worthy was my favorite player. I mean I I love the way James Worthy played. I loved him as an NBA player as well. I had because I had access, because I was a I was a sports information guy from my freshman mm-hmm. year, I had access to all the programs and yearbooks and all this stuff. I had I put pictures of Michael Jordan and James Worthy on my wall as though they were posters in my <laughs> in my Wake Forest dorm room, which is it's weird to admit it looking back, and and some people never. But I'm you know because this show is nothing if it's not about honesty and transparency, right?
0: <laughs> so speak for yourself. <laughs>
1: But yeah, no, they, 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 those were two remarkable players. So I'm, i feel like, you know, I'm in, uh, I'm in sync with uh, with Jimmy Black here.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Of the of the five guys who were on the court at that time, I've gotten to meet three of them: Jimmy yeah. Black, Michael, and uh, and Matt Doherty, a Long Island legend. Right. But yeah, I wanted to talk about that. What's on your mind?
1: You know, we joke a lot about how the NFL is often never away from the top business story, and and. They did something um, uh, here over the last few days where they announced that they are going to run a playoff game, a playoff game, only on streaming. And and it's going to be on NBC's uh, uh, NBC Universal's Peacock um, exclusively on that streaming service this coming season. One hundred and ten million dollars for that one game. Um, yeah, and and it'll be in prime, prime time on on Saturday, January 13th. And the thing that's interesting, ben, it's a one year deal, which is the, the NFL has done a lot of that when they were testing um new formats and so forth. and and you know, looking at Amazon for their Thursday night package and things like that. They were trying these things as as one year packages, and this is another one where they're trying it. And the interesting thing is is that none of these big leagues have ever necessarily wanted to trade reach of their game um, uh, even if the money was right. In this case, the money's right. It's going to be a huge push, obviously, for peacock to. Uh, promote that service uh when it comes around but they're potentially limiting that so other than the hometown markets of the two teams that will be playing in that game which we don't know yet um where they'll have to play it on an over-the-air station uh, or be available in those markets and that it's going to be only on peacock so uh, I, i think a fascinating development um and you know keeps pushing the nfl into some of these areas to see what um um, see where things will go, and and I, I these are the type of stories I love to follow, as as anyone that listens to this show knows, um, because I think that you know we're seeing we're seeing more and more disruption in where things are going, and these leagues have to try these things to see if they ultimately can monetize them.
0: Listen, I think people are going to be upset, right? Um, but I think the learnings that and that NBC can get from this um, will be you know incredibly valuable. Uh, they also just announced that Peacock will be um, we'll be broadcasting every uh, Olympic event live with the exception of basketball, which you have to buy on a premium tier. But every, every event, um, you know, qualifying, medal round, finals, whatever it we'll be on, will be on peak. Well, well,
1: I'm, well, I'm mad about that then on the basketball side, although, you know, obviously with the power that this show has in, in media world, Mm -hmm. I would think, Oh, I think Laz should just be reaching out and
0: oh, giving you know, us dropping, free pass, dropping us yeah.
1: that uh, yeah, lifetime free pass. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got, you know, with the big news over there with uh, with Linda Yacarino moving over to uh, run Twitter. And you, you saw Laz had to step in in the upfronts and do the um, do the show. I, I want to see video of that.
0: Well, I'm sure he did a phenomenal job. I'm sure he job. did an
1: awesome job, of course.
0: But then another NFL announcement uh, for the first time, in league history, there'll actually be a game on Black Friday, and it will be my beloved Jets um, will be playing in that game. You, I, I, now, listen, I, they have always been my beloved Jets, as bad as they've been. So,
1: they, I'm I, not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticize you for changing okay. what you normally say about about the Jets. I <laughs> am a long suffering fan of the okay, the they new are new York here Jets, I, I listen, but they you are know, still my beloved. You know Jets. I, you know I respect that. And yeah. I think it's going to be amazing. I, I almost can't wait for the season just to see how many times they're playing in prime time. They've got you know, the maximum number games.
0: of they've got the maximum number of national windows.
1: Absolutely. No doubt. It's gonna your mind is going to be blown at at you're just not you're just not watching the Jets at 1 o'clock on Sunday, my friend.
0: Well, that's the nice thing because for most of the past years, I've had my Sundays free from October on, <laughs> right? And this year I'll have my Sundays free from October on, but for different for a different right. reason. Yeah, you have Sunday now, whether night, or not Monday I have my night. Thursday night or my Monday night yeah. free yeah. remains to be seen. But, um, boy, the NFL is putting a lot of faith in, in Aaron Rodgers' ability to deliver, aren't they? So.
1: Yeah, they sure are, but it does. It, I mean, it's it's New York number one, and now with this absolute marquee player um, on the team. So I I have to admit I'm I'm pretty excited to watch Jets games or at least early season. Well, you're
0: sometimes. very happy that he's out of the NFC Central.
1: It doesn't matter. The Packers are still going <laughs> to beat them. I, I have no, um, yeah, I don't have uh, I don't have all that much. Uh, all right faith in, uh, in in how things are going to go this year. Although I did see, my daughter showed me something that was really funny that the Bears did around their schedule announcement. They did. Do you watch the show The Bear? Um, you can get it on Hulu. Fantastic show about a... No, um, no, I haven't seen a, it. Like a genius young uh, chef that uh, starts, takes over for his brother that has, uh, has died, committed suicide, and he willed to his brother, this genius young chef... There was training in New York. This Italian beef shop in River North, Chicago, and um, they did a, a whole takeoff on social media to announce their schedule um, through the uh, as if it were they were in the show. I was like, "All right, Bears, nice, uh, a little nice creativity there." I just don't have any any expectation that the the Bears are going to be great, but yeah, it's nice to see that he's gone and he. Who just drives me crazy? He drives me a little crazy. Anytime he, he drives us all a little crazy. in Some ways mm-hmm. that um, he won't be there to be the one. Just absolutely, you know, eviscerating
0: uh, the bears. Well, you know who who else isn't that happy? Gary Bettman, because the four teams left.
1: The, the Southern Swing of the NHL.
0: Yeah, seriously. I mean, the the. Uh, I'm trying to think of a map whether or not from a latitudinal perspective if Las Vegas Mm -hmm. is higher than Carolina. But you've got team in the desert, team in Texas, team in South Florida, team in Carolina. Now, granted, those teams support – those fans support those teams. I'm not disputing that. But when you look at who the NHL would like to see in a Stanley Cup final, um, I don't think – I don't think those guys would make the short list.
1: The NHL has its original six, right? Yeah, this is this is the least original um, <laughs> Thor. I guess you could have four. Seattle in it, but but listen, I think yeah, I I agree that from a from a TV market, you know, there's some limitations, um, and, and and you know, Florida Panthers, you know, their their hoops team is still in as well, and they're drawing a lot of attention. So I I'm I'm now really curious as to see what they're going to do. The Stars, I think, have had good following uh, over the years. Um, I think the Golden Knights have come on super strong. I mean, they built a very, very quickly campus. built a great organization and And look at what the Kraken did. They got to where they did in their second season. second season or third season, second season, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For Seattle. Um, so, in, in a way, that's a pretty good story about balance in the league. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they can draw from a national standpoint, yeah, those those classic audiences in in Boston or Montreal or. Um, uh, Toronto or uh, Chicago, New York, uh, aren't Uh, there?
0: Yeah, I read a very interesting stat this morning. I'm seeing if I can pull it up real quickly while we talk. But um, the Vegas Golden Knights have been in the league since 2017, and this is their third time to the conference finals. Um, The Toronto Maple Leafs, have made it once since 2003.
1: Yeah. 2000,
0: Re- excuse me. Yeah.
1: Really so, remarkable.
0: Yeah, so, uh, you know, listen, say what you want about whether or not they draw nationally in terms of uh, viewership. Uh, both those organizations, uh, Seattle and, and Las Vegas, have come well, out of the gate incredibly yeah. uh, well, strong. Well,
1: obviously, the expansion draft concept in the NHL works quite well.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, there's, you know, yeah and uh you know the uh the Seattle Kraken have some uh Cornell blood in their front office. So that's
1: That's always a plus, right? Yeah,
0: always, oh, yeah, absolutely. Huh. Yeah. Smartest hockey players in uh, in America.
1: Well, speaking of colleges, I this is a brand new story that I that I've been worried about as a possibility for a while uh ever since uh, the Big 10 Uh, had kind of first, um, I don't know if I should say poached, but had had grabbed Rutgers uh, and Maryland uh, into the Big Ten some time ago um, to get that East Coast market and expand, or East Coast markets and expand even further. Um, Obviously, we know what's happened since during uh, Kevin Warren's short uh, time there as well. Um, But the ACC, in response to that some time ago, uh, had, had gotten all the teams, all the schools to sign a grant of rights, meaning no matter what happened, um, that the TV rights and the TV money that that individual school would get was still going to the conference. That was the way to lock up these schools and act. John Swafford, the former, um, uh, ACC commissioner, I, I think acted fairly quickly and got that done. So the likes of North Carolina and, um, uh, Clemson and, uh, Florida state Miami would stay, but Reporting is out that um, that seven schools, including Clemson, Florida State, Miami, uh, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech, uh, are exploring uh, the possibility. And what they would need to do is try to get one more. If they're going to tip the scale so they can challenge uh, challenge this in court, say, is to get another school so they have a majority of the schools. My guess is that school that they're looking for is not going to be Wake Forest. Um, uh, I, you know, there's,
0: you know, with all due respect to your alma mater, there is one school in the ACC that is glaringly absent from the list that you that you just read, which is Duke, right?
1: Right, but the but the reason that I, I actually think Duke, I I thought Duke would be right for either Big Ten. And listen, this is all about the Big Ten and SEC, right? <laughs> the, the, that's those are the two games in town. Um, the thing I thought about. Duke, maybe for the um, uh, for the SEC, was to actually just shore up its dominance on the basketball side. I mean, Duke doesn't have a overly successful football program. They've done OK from time to time, made a few Yeah, games. very
0: inconsistent, right, yeah.
1: very inconsistent, but they're not considered a power, whereas obviously they are in, in basketball. But there are other ones, I mean, that play obviously on. So I think this all the schools mentioned have a pretty decent track record on both sides uh football and and uh, men's basketball and football but there are a couple others i mean louisville could be on that list syracuse could be on that list but the ones you're hearing are other than maybe virginia tech are pretty you know eastern schools uh and and most of them with the exception of virginia tech and uh miami are you know original acc schools um schools that go back a long way with that conference um, anyway uh, it's disappointing to me because I still love the uh, I still love the Atlantic coast conference it was oh, yeah. where my career started in some ways and I think it's a special conference in uh, because it's not the Big Ten or the SEC um and, and by the way Wake Forest is number one in baseball this year I just want to point that out we haven't talked about college baseball yeah.
0: So, but uh, I, I just will say, I don't know if I want to live in a world where Duke doesn't play Carolina twice a year in basketball, at, right. at least twice a year. Right. Right. So, yeah.
1: Good point. Uh, so that's an It's going to be a huge story to watch to see uh, uh, see if there's any movement on
0: uh, on that. Yeah. Uh, something else I wanted to touch on. You tell you talked about college baseball, right? We, we talked about gambling on this show in the past. We've had people from the gambling industry. On the show, I on a consistent basis gamble with my health. Um, <laughs> but there were a couple of recent news stories which give me great concern because I have always worried about the human element within gambling, namely, uh, players, coaches, officials who may succumb to temptation, right? Um, to impact the outcome of, of a game or a match, and we've had two recent developments, which I think you know. Listen, three three points make a, a trend, but um, the baseball coach at Alabama um, was fired. Uh, his team was paying LSU in Cincinnati. Um, there was uh, there was some unusual betting activity, and the, and the and the system worked the way it was supposed to. Right, uh, the the system detected that unusual betting activity. They they shut down uh, betting on the game, right? The game was, was played. Um, but the fact of the matter is this person, this guy who was in a position to have a lot of uh, impact on the outcome of game um, was fired because of his involvement with that. Uh, and the other ma- the other instance was a player for Colorado Rapids in Major League Soccer, a Brazilian player by the name of Max Alves, who, uh, you know, apparently for 9,000 reals, right, um, British dollars – or Brazilian dollars, excuse me um, – got a, a yellow card. Now, you could say, well, how did that impact the match? And the fact of the matter is if he did anything in order to take money because gamblers profited from him, he is – uh, harming the integrity of the game, and he has since been suspended uh, by the league. Um, but that's two instances um, in the last month. And I and I, I think back to when the NBA allowed their teams to take sponsorships with sports books, and um, as gambling, you know, betting became legal in more and more states. Adam Silver said, "Well, our players would never throw games because they make too much money." And I thought that was a very naive comment uh, yeah. from somebody who is usually incredibly insightful, incredibly smart. Um, number one, um, you have officials, you have, uh, coaches, uh, number two, it's not always about the money, right? It's about human nature and greed. Um, and so I think if you think you're immune from that possibility, um, you could become complacent. Now I know there are, there are systems and checks and balances in place, and as I said with that Alabama example, um, the system way worked the way it was intended to. But um, I don't know. It's uh, it's not it's not a good look for sports.
1: It, it absolutely isn't, and it does obviously raise all of the fears that um, a lot of people were. We're bringing up as sports betting became not only uh, allowed with the Supreme Court ruling, um, but also just injecting itself so much in sports from a from a sponsorship way and just the accessibility and legality of it now in a number of states. Listen, I, I. I don't think we can necessarily say that because of all those changes that these things are happening and will happen more, but it's not that much of a leap to say it makes it more. It makes it easier because it's it, none of this is operating in the shadows anymore. Um, uh, it is. It is. You know, there's enough legal betting going on, and that doesn't mean that those people that are betting the most money aren't going to always try to figure out ways to do it, uh, ways to do it, and, and ways to you know, put things in their favor, such as paying off, uh, paying off players, paying off coaches uh, or whatnot. Um, but, I, you know, I think we have to reserve, is it because of all of these changes? But I do certainly think that there are all kinds of other societal issues that we're going to have to monitor uh, in terms of, you know, people, people losing Money and back to your point, you are right. You, I remember the episode where you made that comment about Adam Silver saying that, and it did strike us as a little odd, because yeah, they make a lot of money, and they could also lose a lot of money. They could also be in debt for things, uh, either because of purchasing habits or or other things. So yeah. who knows what the motivation is, or they could be threats from. Um, you know, from other other people, where they feel they have to uh, to do things. Who knows what what people may or may not be mixed up in? And I'm not trying to create some weird, you know, drama uh, out of this. Um, you know, so someone writes a movie as good as Air uh, around it. But but maybe these things will happen because there's going to be there's definitely going to be more of these stories just because gambling is much more uh, front and center now. Um, and, yeah. But it, but it is good that there was at least a check. Where they, where they found something strange and were able to trace it back pretty quickly.
0: Yes, in the case of Alabama baseball, not necessarily in right. the case of uh, the Colorado uh, Rapids player. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, despite becoming legal in more and more states, there is still an illicit market for gambling. Mm-hmm. Right? Could, there are still opportunities, um, you know, to place bets um, where the action isn't, subject to oversight by technology and, and other mechanisms. And so there could be things that are done where the, where the system is incapable of catching that um, because it's done on an illicit market. So big night tonight, you know, the, the NBA is in the midst of their playoffs. Right. But tonight is, is the draft lottery as people are calling it, the Victor win lottery. Right. One right. of the most touted players. Coming into the NBA, maybe since LeBron, Zion. Mm,
1: I don't know. I mean, people definitely are saying, kind of. Uh, I, I mean, certainly one of the most unique players um, I think we've ever seen. So I'm not sure what you'd go back to to say, you know, kind of can't miss. LeBron was pretty can't miss, right? I mean, yeah. more can't miss than more can't miss in some ways than Michael was. Um, and michael went number three so he didn't even go one well yeah. let me ask
0: you this question Were portland and Houston. who else uh, uh, so it was uh Houston, it was sam Hakeem
1: yeah. sam Bowie, hakeem elijah and i would have well, taken that i would have taken elijah i got elijah as a pick uh, uh,
0: yeah elijah uh, I could see going before Michael, right? Because yeah. back then, the big game, big men dominated the game. Yeah,
1: and he dominated. He won championships. He dominated. Yeah, yeah, he, he had a, one he had of the twin
0: to towers. Which people forget, right? Another right. talk, hearkening back to your talk about the ACC, Ralph Sampson.
1: Yeah, well, I'm Sampson, Sampson. Ralph Sampson was a generational player. I thought. I mean, he was an absolute game changer at Virginia, and and had a better pro career than I think people. Uh, give credit for. Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah, One of um, only
0: two players in, in Naismith history to win right. the award three times, him that's and Bill right. Walton.
1: Yeah. Uh, he was wow. he he was amazing. So there's part of me that's kind of thinking back to that in terms of, you know, guy that's this big and, you know, could do what, what he could do on the court. But Yeah.
0: Portland took Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan and they took Greg Odom over Kevin Durant.
1: You'd almost like say, well why weren't they the northwest team that that ducked in and ran away to another place so people would forget about their <laughs> draft history hey, still supporting out there. There. But, yeah yeah
0: somebody somebody said greg odom he's 20 years old he looks like grady from yeah, the, he's going from the, from, the from there's Sanford no way guy. when he
1: was at ohio state he was there is no way he,
0: was, he had a son who was a <laughs> freshman when he was when he was playing there you
1: know <laughs> oh my gosh no he just he just um yeah he had he had get a much more mature um look about him than most yeah uh, for, you know students. listen we,
0: we joke but it's you know it's an unfortunate situation because he was such a great player in college and just couldn't remain healthy yeah. um yeah. to have a have a pro career mm-hmm. what do you say we take a break
1: yeah it sounds good
0: So before we talk about what we're looking forward to David why don't we use this opportunity we have a number of questions up on our Twitter feed uh, from some of my students at st. John's University so why don't we why don't we take a few minutes and just answer some of those questions is there
1: something you like tonight. Yeah, thanks and uh, we certainly appreciate everybody engaging with us on any of the platforms including at DP and McGee on uh Twitter so let's um let's pull up something this this one's going way back from Jack Vasquez mm-hmm. and he asks while listening to your podcast on trading knowledge on trading cards which is one of our early episodes last year uh I guess we opened up uh, that show with talks about the Olympics and he was wondering um, if we were the ioc how specifically would we address certain issues and and he points out then uh, issues such as as russia uh is cheating uh and um uh and problems such as that uh, with what i would imagine just certain certain countries but specifically he's calling out uh russia's cheating if you were the ioc you
0: know i i you can find a lot of fault with the IOC over a number of issues, but I do think that they have handled this situation pretty well, right? Not letting athletes compete under their country's flag, but not punishing individual athletes by allowing them to compete. Uh, so to me, that's uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good compromise. That's the ability to, uh, you know, make a statement that waging war um, will not be tolerated. Um, by saying cheating won't be tolerated, um, but not punishing individual athletes who, as we know, right, oftentimes train their entire lives for that opportunity to compete in the Olympic Games. Right. Uh,
1: I would certainly concur with that. I think the one thing they need to get better uh, at doing is um, deciding what they're going to allow the athletes to be known as and i think that second time out um the second time they were banned they allowed russia to go back into it under the name oar or olympic athletes of russia and i always yeah. kind of laughed at that but um uh, i think they i think they uh, i think by doing that they um they're uh they're kind of giving back too much uh to that idea of being able to you know, these athletes yeah. truly be able to because rep- they are representing russia and uh, but but I tend to agree. I mean, not punishing the athletes that that didn't have as much to do with it. I guess if if you were absolutely n- uh, nailed as an athlete for for d- cheating or being part of the cheating, then you know that's a whole other issue, and then you shouldn't be allowed to uh, participate. Another question from Michael Aronica. Yep. Yep. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays and St. Louis Cardinals remain competitive despite how small their market is. What do they do differently? Than other small market teams to make them competitive, and why haven't these struggling MLB franchises uh, done that, like done the same thing? We've talked about small market teams, including in the NFL, which is a little different animal than, than baseball based on the money that they get on their TV deals. But uh, what do you think about Michael's question there?
0: I think in, in the case of baseball, it really comes down to having the right people in player development and player evaluation. Um, you know, having having good fundamental systems in place for minor leagues, right? Because baseball more than any other sport requires you to make an investment in those young players, right? Get drafted out of high school, get drafted out of the, out of college, right? In the best case scenario, you're making it to the pros in a couple of years. In some cases you're playing in the, in the minors four or five years, right? So you've got to have a stockpile of talent um, that where the cream really rises to the top and you're able to, field a major league team that can be competitive. And, um, you know, you look at a team like Pittsburgh Pirates this year, right, which have been very good for the first third of the season. Um, You know, kudos to Ben Charrington who came over a couple years ago, um, you know, and made sure that they were building the foundation, right? Um, And now those players are coming up. The unfortunate thing with teams like Pittsburgh and Kansas City and um, to a lesser extent Tampa, um, certainly to a lesser extent, St. Louis, but the small market teams oftentimes can't keep these players because right. they just don't have the revenue. Um, you know, Tampa doesn't, you know, Tampa's on fire this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've come back to earth a little bit. They've had some injuries, but um, they're still not They're I think they're 28th or 29th in, in attendance, right? So they've right. improved slightly from, from past years, right, which is unfortunate um, because that team deserves – fans support and conversely that market doesn't deserve a team if the fans aren't willing to support it
1: yeah well you know you started the question talking about the farm system particularly in baseball and and the fact that these players or these the the best players are going to be um you know uh, swept away by the yankees or the red sox or um uh, you know or the or the giants or the padres or um you know teams that uh, that will spend more money on that on those in those markets. Um, but it just shows you how important that is to keep replenishing it. So the choice obviously in in those cases is that they're they're feeding that system really well to at least have uh, certain years of uh, of of greatness and and playing it smart with who they sign and you know, mm-hmm. kind of taking a very money ball approach. Uh, to that, it's always funny when people mention St. Louis because I guess technically it is a small market, but there's, they're just so consistently great, the Cardinals, um, that I never <laughs> think of them as a small market team um, in any way. But
0: can we? And we can we? You know, uh, I agree. Uh, they have the second most number of World Championships behind the New York Yankees. Um, they're far down the list, but still number two. Um, can we? Can we sort of dispel the myth that? You know, uh, Billy Bean and Moneyball um was the end all be all. They you know they haven't won anything, right? And they had that incredible run. Which Wait, you're, was
1: you're talking about the A's? Yes. Yeah. They they
0: also they also had, they also had
1: about season. they also they also had about seventy five people at their last
0: home. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, right? Well, they, you know, it makes Tampa look like uh the, the fire marshals are going to come in and, and sh- shut them down. But but that. The, the season that was depicted in Michael Lewis's book, Moneyball, right? Um, and let's face it, Michael Lewis can make anything seem interesting as an author, as a writer. Uh, but they had that remarkable streak where they won, I don't know, a ridiculous number of games in a row and snuck into the playoffs and didn't do, didn't do anything that year, right? So, um, you know, you look at a, a team like the Red Sox, which is, you know, one of the earliest adopters of analytics. They hired Bill James before anybody else had – anybody who was looking at data, Um, you know, there are other teams that do it much better. Right. So that's just, that's just me. I, I just don't, but you can't hate the Oakland A's. No, you know, I mean, come on.
1: like, no. you know, that comment. come on, Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill. I mean, come on. It was, it was, they, they, they it was amazing what they did.
0: I thought, I, I thought Brad Pitt should have won front office executive of the year that
1: year. <laughs> but, well, now he's huh. about to make a Formula One movie. Um, okay, here's a question I like. It's from Mark, and it, the, his handle is at mark underscore mez. Yeah, so Mark Mezatesta. Huh? Yeah. yeah, okay. So, uh, how big will AI become in sports? There uh, are talked about robotic umpires in baseball. Do you think there will be robotic referees in other sports, for example, football, basketball, or hockey? Do you think this will ruin sports or make them more enjoyable? I, I'm, let me take a stab at this one first because, I mean, sure. AI is not going away. Um, you know, hopefully we're not going to chat GPT sports and, and have the outcomes written based on what we want to see, although that certainly could be the case, but I think we're absolutely going to see more, uh, robotics used from an officiating standpoint. Um, and, uh, so, and that to me is to try to get the, the most logical outcome. I, I think it's going to be slow in coming because people are scared of what that will look like. I don't think it'll ruin sports. Uh, hopefully it'll, it'll make things a little, uh, a little more fair and not slow things down. But the reality is, is the technology obviously is there, but that's the simple part of the technology. I think the question is, 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 you know, you know, what else can, what else can AI bring in terms of, uh, uh in terms of the analytics the teams you're using, uh, what it's going to mean in terms of, you know, game strategy, um, but, it's here, right? And it's not going away. I think the only question is, is like, what what forms is it going to end up taking?
0: Yeah, when it comes to officiating and determining outcome of a play, whether something is a goal or not, whether a shot is in or out, you're seeing that creep towards more use of technology. Um, What I find interesting is the same people who bitch about their team losing because of a bad call are the same ones who are saying, well, you know, you're taking out the human element of it, you know. But you see, you know, and again, I'm, uh, you know, I, I might be sounding like that old guy who's shaking his fist at a cloud, but I've seen a deterioration, at least in my opinion, of, of umpiring in baseball in particular. Um, inconsistency in strike zones, between umpires, inconsistency in calls by, a, you know, a single umpire. Um, and to me, that is something that is uh, – should be a relatively easy fix technologically right to create a uh a, a strike zone that adjusts to every hitter and it's consistent every time every time now whether or not that will favor the batter or the or the pitcher i don't know um, but to me that's a that's a that's a no-brainer at some mm-hmm. point in the future right mm-hmm.
1: um right and, and that that seems you know easy for me to say but that seems so doable
0: yeah yeah i mean easily listen, doable yeah listen i'm lacking in real intelligence so until i find that <laughs> i'm not going to be looking for artificial intelligence but uh but it's it's here it's going to continue to to grow in importance right you see it in var right you see it in uh in the world cup but you don't see it in certain other um you know, international football competitions. So I think you have to have consistency across competitions, but that will come, um, you know, like any other technology cost will come down um, over time. And, and so more and more leagues, more and more programs, more and more events and federations will be able to afford the technology. Um, but I think to the extent that, um, you know, because you'll still have the human element of the players, the participants. So why would you want that to be overshadowed by the by the human element that, of the officiating?
1: That's such a that's such a great point that isn't that it's almost hard to believe that it's not mentioned, right? I mean, sports is such a, a human endeavor. It's 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 people trying to do things that probably robots could do better. And unless they're going to change that, which I guess they do have robot competitions, but it is inherently human on that. So why not create the most the, the, the best situation to be able to judge a competition of players, athletes being able to play in the moment uh, and perform in the moment with everything else being as equalized as possible. And that would mean taking some of the human element out of the officiating side. Um, we talked about this earlier, and this is going to be the last question. Um, in what ways would power conference realignment negatively affect revenue generation for mid major conferences? And this is from Jack. Jack F one one seven. So that's his handle. So I'm not sure if you know who that is, but um...
0: yep, I think it's probably Jack Freecheck. Yep.
1: Um, so what do you think? I like
0: how you are subtly testing my knowledge of my students' names. Yeah, but, it, it... and I'm I'm knocking them out of the park. Um, oh, I think it absolutely decimates it from a revenue perspective. It absolutely decimates it. Um, uh, I think those conferences will continue to have, you know, good programs. But, um, you know, we talked about if if those clubs, the clubs, those programs leave the ACC, I could see us having two power conferences. Right. And with all due respect to Brett Yarmark and all due respect to George Kliakov and uh, and, uh, you know, other conference commissioners. Right. I, I could see us having two super leagues. Right. The Big Ten and the SEC. Mm-hmm. Right, have twenty programs each, or whatever it is, and it becomes much more analogous to a major league sport than a collegiate conference. And leaves that. Not only does it leave mid majors in the dust, it leaves the other schools that aren't asked, and and in particular schools like schools from the Big Twelve and the and the schools from the Pac twelve. I hope it doesn't come to that, but I certainly would not be surprised if it does.
1: Yeah, and keep in mind, it's not necessarily that every spigot of revenue necessarily gets cut off right away. But the big ones, the ones that drive them, the, the ones that make the Big Ten and the SEC what they are, you know, generates from uh, their television revenue and ability to, um, you know, draw big, big brands and 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 pack ninety thousand plus uh, stadiums for basketball and consistently sell out, or excuse me, for football. And consistently sell out basketball venues, and, and constant play and in, uh, in in postseason tournaments and so forth. And it's just that while there's a lot of money in sports, it, you know, when when so much gets um, thrown to one conference from an ESPN or from a uh, uh, or from a Turner or from a CBS or whatever the case may be, um, uh, that means generally uh, others aren't going to necessarily get their piece of the pie or that's going to be reduced. So yeah, it's it's. I don't think either of us want to see it, um, but we wouldn't necessarily be surprised. And we can't sit there with our head in the sands and say that money doesn't drive college sports. So uh, I think it's somewhat of a fact of life. But this ACC story that we talked about earlier in the show, I think is going to be a bit of a bellwether for um, you know, what that might mean. Are they able to hold tight and, and keep people because an a, a strong ACC and a reasonably strong PAC 12 and a reasonably strong, uh, big 12, uh, and then some of these other conferences, I, I think overall, um, that feels healthy to me, um, even if the big 10 and the SEC get a little bit stronger, but I wouldn't want to see it go to the point where you said, but it absolutely is a possibility.
0: Yeah, and one thing that we didn't mention earlier, which um, this may be a negotiating ploy by some of these programs within the uh, ACC to try to renegotiate some aspects of their deals to stay in the conference. So we'll see. Um,
1: Oh, I think it is. Uh, I, I, I do think it is, but what that renegotiation would be is to weaken what that grant of rights is. And if that grant of rights gets weakened or eliminated, then they absolutely are much freer to go. So it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting, very, very strong negotiating. um, Yeah.
0: One thing I read that was kind of, uh, actually I was, was glad to read was Penn state. Um, one of the most successful athletic programs in the country, right. Historically, um, is, is, uh, is trying to commit $700 million to their uh, additional money to their athletic program to improve facilities and fund scholarships and coaches and so on and so forth but only 70 million of that is going to beaver stadium so only 10 percent of that 700 million so uh, to me that's that's great because listen that program will always make money and will always be successful um but it allows other student athletes right Mm -hmm. across all of those other men's and women's sports to play in the types of facilities that are comparable to what the football players at penn state get Mm -hmm. in terms of practice facilities and Mm -hmm. And Beaver Stadium and things like that. So that was really heartening to see. Yeah,
1: that's great. That's great. Hey, listen. Um, thanks for the questions. We'll get to more in future episodes. Keep them coming in. We uh, uh, we appreciate
0: it. Yeah. So so now is when we will talk about what we're looking forward to. What what are you looking forward to in the coming weeks, days, and weeks? David? Well, I'm
1: yeah. I'm 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 not traveling this weekend. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching a little of the PGA Championship. Um it's gonna be interesting. Second, second major be, uh, being played at um, um Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester. And the CEO of the PGA, um, Seth Waugh has been making, you know, kind of ventured into the fray of the Live Golf debate uh and commented on the business model of uh, of Live. And there have been kind of a growing chorus of people talking about the model just not being real sustainable unless they just continue to decide to throw money at, uh, at something. Although the live golf Tulsa tournament, um, uh, had a, had a big, uh, attendance supposedly. So, um, so we'll see, but it's a major, it's, it's the PGA now moves into the second slot, which is probably where it belongs. Um, and so looking forward to watching that, I will say, I will be tuning into F1 again, um, because, uh, I love it and it's part of my job um not going to the race which is in uh, uh in uh, uh Italy this is the first of two races in Italy it's at Imola and they're having horrible rain and some flooding there so there is some risk that the that the event will have to be moved or postponed or or worst case scenario canceled so keeping my eye on that as well what about you
0: well we talked about lebron and the lakers early in the before the playoffs even started and um I don't know if the run ends here, but they they look good in dispatching uh, the defending champion uh, Golden State Warriors. Now they take on Denver, which is a good team. Um, so that's a, a two good series right now, in left in the NBA, um, Miami and Jimmy Butler uh, taking on Boston, who who just found a, a, another gear in that seventh game uh, against Philadelphia. Um, you know. You know, two weeks after Steph Curry set a record for most points in a game seven, um, Jason Tatum said, hold my bag of Fritos and I'm... and, and upped him by one point, put in 51. So two two great series in the NBA. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the NHL are, you know, we talked about it, a compelling series um, in the conference finals. I'll probably watch those. And uh, I will not be watching collegiate lacrosse because my my beloved Cornell Big Red lost – and a heartbreaker in overtime to Michigan um, last weekend in Ithaca. So uh,
1: Sorry another that. year
0: in the drought yeah. for, for the big red I, men's across Club.
1: You know, I don't want to, you know, we've been, we've been throwing so much love at the NBA playoffs, but I, I can't help it. I mean, this is just, this is just unbelievably great, great stuff. And I agree. these series um, just could be absolutely uh, incredible. Three, three very successful NBA coaches got fired within the last 24 hours. I think
0: it was in that time frame. So who um, was Monty, Monty, Monty Williams?
1: Monty Williams. Doc, Doc, Doc Rivers. Rivers and, not surprising. And Giannis's coach. Um, oh, yeah. Well, well that know.
0: was last week, right? Well, yeah. yeah but,
1: but, I mean, teams that were supposed to go far. Yeah. Um, but it shows the what, the what the stakes are. I mean, Doc has had a history of... of Unfortunately for him, kind of collapsing in, in series that they've had leads in. And they were up in this series against Boston. And James Harden, like went, like went he like went worse than Ben Simmons uh, in the fourth <laughs> quarter, just scored no points in the last yeah, three games. I, I mean,
0: I, I understand it's, you know, being a professional coach, especially in the NBA or any any league for that matter, is, is not for the faint of heart. But Doc Rivers didn't spit the bit, right? James Harden spit the bit. Joel Embiid spit the bit, right? Doc Rivers did not spit the bit, right? Monty Williams took that team from being a last-place team to being a, a championship contender, right? Yeah, they lost, but they you know, they had Chris Paul out for half the freaking series, right? They hadn't gelled with, with Durant. With Durant so, yeah. Um, you know, all three of those guys will, will find jobs, right? And they may actually play rotating chairs, right? Monty <laughs> Williams might wind up in... Oh, yeah. In in, uh, in Milwaukee and, and Doc may r- wind up out in in Santa or uh, Phoenix, uh, but I think all three of those guys will will wind up with another job.
1: Yeah, it's tough business, tough business.
0: Yep, unlike podcasting, nobody yep. can fire us. So, all right. Well, listen, we're at that point of the show where we're going to say goodbye. Um, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, please like us, follow us, share us send us your comments until next week he's dp i'm mcgee and we'll talk soon